0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star
1: of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
0: of that date and that event in his op-ed piece for the Calgary Herald. And uh, it's excellent reading. You'll find it online. You'll probably also find it at Oil Respect. And we'll we'll get to that in a second. The federal court of this country, in a two-to-one vote, because that's what it was, was a vote by judges. That's what it is. It's a vote. They make their decisions, and then they individually... um, present their points of view, so they're a the majority decision, and they have the dissenting view, but it's it's a vote. It's kind of like American Idol, or Canadian Idol, really. And I don't mean to be disparaging, but at its most fundamental, common denominator, that's what it is. It's two judges saying this, and the other judge saying that. So the, the federal court overturned the federal government's green light to build the Northern Gateway Pipeline. As Mark points out in his op-ed piece, 68% of Canadians told a national pollster they approve of more pipelines to bring our natural resources oil to market. It only makes sense. It only makes sense. Folks, we have something the world wants. Let's sell it to them. And I understand the environmental concerns as, as, as much as I possibly can. And I have environmental concerns as well. I don't want to see this stuff spilling all over the place and destroying pristine, um, you know, country and and, and, and causing irreparable, potentially uh, environmental harm. But a lot of things were covered. Most everything was covered to the satisfaction, certainly, of the federal government, the elected Arm of this whole equation. You know, people are getting mad at me while I'm reading this. The environmentalists are saying, there he is. There's the guy that just, you know, puts everything in the green bag. He doesn't sort. Yeah, I do. Mark Schultz is the uh, president of the Canadian Association of Oil Well Drilling Contractors and spokesman for Oil Respect. And like, like I said, he wrote an op ed piece in the Calgary Herald in which Mark Schultz compares the building of pipelines today to the nation building completion of the first national railway. On November the seventh, eighteen eighty-five. Mark, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Thanks for taking the time today.
1: Thanks so much, and happy Canada Canada long weekend.
0: Absolutely, and the same to you. I just I just find it I always find it irritating when there's a two to one. I understand five to four with the Supreme Court. It's just the way it is. It's the final court of arbitration. There's nine judges. If it's five to four, that's the way it is. Um, clearly, you have a vested interest in pipelines being built, but then so does Canada. Our economy is stuttering. We have recalcitrant mayors in the Montreal area refusing Energy East Passage through their fiefdom. And now the federal court rules to remove Parliament's approval of the Northern Gateway, and not even, as I said, unanimously, but rather two to one. Um, what, what is the most fundamental point that has to be understood about the pipeline issue and the pro-pipeline argument, keeping in mind there are significant numbers of people who have legitimate environmental concern.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I I think the big question um, that Canadians as a whole have to really answer to themselves is that, um, you know, do we want to... Maintain the standard of living that we've come to appreciate. Do we want to be in a position to be leaders on the world sc- uh, stage of the most, you know, environmentally responsible oil and gas products reaching destinations not only in serving our domestic market but our, but the international market as well? And it, it really is a it, it really is a serious question, and it's a question that the government uh, of today is going to have to decide on some several infrastructure projects in the next uh, six months, exactly. one of them being Trans Mountain. Uh, they've, they've said that they, the federal government will be making a decision at the end of the year, and it uh, it, it really boils down to whether Canada is serious about being an energy supplier, and a responsible energy supplier, and, and we can certainly say no to that. And uh, by rejecting uh, significant infrastructure projects and pipelines, that would effectively say that Canada wants out. And and Mark
0: uh, Mark if if we don't build the pipelines and and build them responsibly, nobody's saying just you know slap it on the ground and just take it from point A to point B or from from origin to destination in the most simple way possible with the least consideration for what may happen in between. nobody's saying that. but without without this continued focus on infrastructure and moving the oil to market, moving our, our resource to market and selling it, and, and profitably uh, selling it, and creating billions of dollars, as you point out in your op-ed piece, billions of dollars for governments we have our health care system to pay for. we have social uh, uh, social services networks to pay for. The money comes from somewhere that ca- the, the money that that supports the Canadian way of life comes from somewhere and a great deal of that somewhere has been oil and it's been from the oil sands and in, in the last uh, 10 20odd years and there's no way of refuting that. you can't just you can't step back and say that's not true because it is true.
1: Well, you're, you're right, and I guess at the end of the day, if, if we want to you know, get in front of progress on these, these major infrastructure projects, the question is, how are you going to fill the gap? I mean, $17 billion in annual government revenue um, and, and hundreds of thousands of people uh, with some of the most value-added jobs in the country um, these, these, I mean, this is kind of all part of the the conversation we're having, and and part of my op-ed piece is, and it's it's really frustrating, is because Canada used to be a country that that really sought these huge uh, infrastructure projects as opportunities to not only unite the country, but provide us with the some of the highest living standards anywhere else in the world, and. You know, the railroad was an example of uniting Western raw resources, our resource-based economy out West, unifying it with the manufacturing sector in Central and Eastern Canada. We can do the exact same thing uh, with providing responsible energy development here out West and putting them in refineries in Central Canada that's going to be providing uh, the whole country with uh, a stable, secure, uh, national uh, oil and gas industry uh, for many years to come. And, you know, the argument that, well, you know, we need to start transitioning, you know, to a lower carbon environment, I, I don't disagree that that certainly at some point is going to take place. But at the end of the day, if, if we look at facts and reality, that's, I mean, that that's decades, um, multiple decades away Um and we have to get real. Let's, let's start having a fact-based conversation. Yeah.
0: May I just read from your op-ed piece? Sure. Uh, this is part of what uh, Mark Schultz wrote. Started back in 1881 by Canada's first prime minister, Sir John A. MacDonald, Canada embarked on its First Nation building experience. The project was a bold and ambitious plan that ultimately unified and strengthened the current country, The railroad promised social and economic prosperity while sending a strong message to the United States that Canada was not interested in becoming just another state in the Union. On November 7, 1885, the final spike was laid in B.C., um, completing a 1,600-kilometer railroad linking together western and eastern Canada. The project required tremendous political courage and leadership, but the results were worth the effort. It crossed party lines, and the country was focused on what it could become a great nation of the North. The railroad connected Western Canada's resource-based economy with manufacturers in Eastern Canada and created a powerful economic union in North America. Pipelines, the railroads of our time, have the potential to deliver the same social and economic benefits experienced generations ago. They would inject billions of private investment dollars into a struggling Canadian economy, hire tens of thousands of Canadians, and generate billions of dollars in future tax revenues to pay for social programs. And then this final sentence I'm going to read. Moreover, they would tie the country together, securing our high standard of living and positioning Canada as the world's preferred supplier of responsible oil and gas. Says it all. Well, and I
1: think Canadians get that. I mean, we're seeing public opinion. I mean, the latest Abacus poll came out and said 68% of Canadians not only want Canadians to get busy building pipelines, but they want to start consuming more of our own energy resources. So the public is on side. And what's really unfortunate about this whole um, issue we're dealing with as Canadians is it just doesn't feel that we have our, our, our politicians are political elites and leadership, um, either they, they're they ignoring um, the fact that Canadians want this to be done or they're just in denial. And unfortunately, when you have a lack of leadership at the political uh, level, um, it makes the will of getting some of this infrastructure built incredibly difficult. And um, you know, it's very clear. The will of the people is there. I mean, we live in a country that uh, we have a rule of law. We... Uh, the uh, the country is speaking, and yet our political leadership is, is dragging its heels on this and is uh, really making us lose one of the biggest, uh, you know, new opportunities of, of Canada, and that is being and positioning ourselves as an energy superpower. I mean, one of the most ironic things about this whole thing is I know uh, Prime Minister Harper at one point said that his vision of Canada was for us to become a you know, an energy superpower. Um, my you know, I guess what's how can Canada be an energy superpower when we can't even supply our own domestic market with our responsible energy? 43 percent of our oil is imported. Uh, we spend 20 billion dollars in excess of 20 billion dollars a year in, in uh, importing oil. Yeah, that I mean, that could easily be um, looked at as an opportunity to say, well, why don't we take that twenty billion dollars, uh, build some pipelines, and so we can actually deploy that to building more hospitals and schools and hiring teachers and nurses. I mean, uh, it's just it's super frustrating because it's it's like we have such an opportunity as a country to unite us in so many respects, both from greater economic growth. Uh, continuing our high standard of living, uh, uniting the country from a you know social perspective. And yet um, we're just not we're not seeing well, the urgency.
0: Um, Mark, I want to get a caller on, but I also want what please address this issue of responsible stewardship of the environment when pipelines are being built. And from what I understand, tell me if I'm wrong. There were eight First Nations opposed to Northern Gateway, but 26 First Nations supported it. And I understand that Northern Gateway has 31 Aboriginal equity partners. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely, yeah, who have direct financial stake in seeing that project
0: succeed. So what what happens is many media will report that eight First Nations opposed Northern Gateway, but they won't then say that 26 First Nations support it.
1: Well, and they also won't say that the oil and gas industry, in particular, is one of the largest uh, First Nation employers in the country. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, if you look at if you look at the oil sands, there's uh, over the last 14 years, there's some 10 billion dollars in um, in business transactions that have taken place between uh, First Nations and oil and gas companies.
0: All right. So to- please so- talk to us on the time that we have how are the pipeline companies how is the pipeline issue I mean you're you're, you're representing the con all of those contractors but how is environmental responsible environmental stewardship assured by the building of these pipelines I know there was this whole vetting process for the federal government but in your words how's it done
1: well I mean the only what what I would say to your listeners is that the regulatory, regime in canada for the development of not only pipelines but ultimately for the development of our resources here in canada are by by the 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 most stringent highest standards that are put on any sort of major project anywhere else in the world and so i mean we have a very robust regulatory regime that takes care of you know the um ensuring that these are uh, put together in the, in the public interest that there's there's the public trust and confidence in them but I would say that I mean, you have to look at the record of the industry as well I mean it's certainly one to say that the we we have to live up to highest standards but the record of the industry is incredible um, if you look at the Canadian Energy Pipeline Association they put their target records and their integrity first plan right in front of people to to see and they have since 2002 the record of federally regulated pipelines for safely and efficiently transporting products across the country is 99.999% effective. And so, uh, you know, I think that has to be pointed out uh, to the public that, I mean, these are incredibly yeah. safe projects. Yeah. Certainly there's always going to be a degree of risk in any sort of infrastructure or development, but that, that record and that track record I think is very important to
0: let articulate. Me, let me just take 30 seconds here and talk to a caller from uh, originally from Quebec. I think she's in Edmonton. What's your name? Margaret. Hi, Margaret. I have 30 seconds. Please go ahead. I'm sorry, you only have 30 seconds.
1: Okay. I think that Edmonton should, or that Alberta should just simply say, we're building it, go through Churchill and Labrador and leave Quebec right out of it. That they do not get one cent all the money that was sent to Quebec, and this is how we're treated by this eastern government. Well, it's not Quebec, but the federal government was Trudeau at the helm. Okay, Maybe ma'am. we should be uh, separating.
0: All right. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Margaret. I appreciate your thoughts. There are more thoughts like that. So in 10 seconds, Mark, uh, just one final thought.
1: We have a history of nation-building. This is another huge opportunity for us to bring this country together, and I really hope that the federal government sees this as an opportunity to unite this country.
0: Pipelines are the nation-building opportunity of our time. The Calgary Herald, you can check it out online or go to oilrespect.ca. You'll find it there as well. Mark Schultz, thank you for the time.
1: Thank you.